Chapter Twelve of the Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn by Mark Twain. Chapter Twelve. It must have been a close on to one o'clock when we got below the island at last and the raft did seem to go mighty slow if a boat was to come along we was going to take to the canoe and break for the illinois shore and it was well a boat didn't come for we hadn't ever thought to put the gun in the canoe or a fishing line or anything to eat we was in rather too much of a sweat to think of so many things it weren't good judgment to put everything on the raft if the men went to the island i just expect they found the campfire i built and watched it all night for jim to come anyways they stayed away from us and if my building the fire never fooled them it weren't no fault of mine i played it as low down on them as i could when the first streak of day began to show we tied up to a towhead in a big bend on the illinois side and hacked off cottonwood branches with the hatchet and covered up the raft with them so she looked like there had been a cave-in in the bank there a towhead is a sandbar that has cottonwoods on it as thick as harrow teeth we had mountains on the missouri shore and heavy timber on the illinois side and the channel was down the missouri shore at that place so we weren't afraid of anybody running across us we laid there all day and watched the rafts and steamboats spin down the missouri shore and upbound steamboats fight the big river in the middle i told jim all about the time i had jabbering with that woman and jim said she was a smart one and if she was to start after us herself she wouldn't set down and watch a campfire no sir she'd fetch a dog well then i said why couldn't she tell her husband to fetch a dog jim said he bet she did think of it by the time the men was ready to start and he believed they must a gone up town to get a dog and so they lost all that time or else we wouldn't be here on a towhead sixteen or seventeen mile below the village no indeedy we would be in that same old town again so i said i didn't care what was the reason they didn't get us as long as they didn't when it was beginning to come on dark we poked our heads out of the cottonwood thicket and looked up and down and across nothing in sight so jim took up some of the top planks of the raft and built a snug wigwam to get under in blazing weather and rainy and to keep the things dry jim made a floor for the wigwam and raised it a foot or more above the level of the raft so now the blankets and all the traps was out of reach of steamboat waves right in the middle of the wigwam we made a layer of dirt about five or six inches deep with a frame around it for to hold it to its place this was to build a fire on in sloppy weather or chilly the wigwam would keep it from being seen we made an extra steering oar too 
because one of the others might get broke on a snag or something we fixed up a short forked stick to hang the old lantern on because we must always light the lantern whenever we see a steamboat coming downstream to keep from getting run over but we wouldn't have to light it for upstream boats unless we see we was in what they call a crossing for the river was pretty high yet very low banks being still a little under water so upbound boats didn't always run the channel but hunted easy water the second night we run between seven and eight hours with a current that was making over four mile an hour we catched fish and talked and we took a swim now and then to keep off sleepiness it was kind of solemn drifting down the big still river laying on our backs looking up at the stars and we didn't ever feel like talking loud and it weren't often that we laughed only a little kind of a low chuckle we had mighty good weather as a general thing and nothing ever happened to us at all that night nor the next nor the next every night we passed towns some of them away up on black hillsides nothing but just a shiny bed of lights not a house could you see the fifth night we passed st louis and it was like the whole world lit up in st petersburg they used to say there was twenty or thirty thousand people in st louis but i never believed it till i see that wonderful spread of lights at two o'clock that still night there wasn't a sound there and everybody was asleep every night now i used to slip ashore towards ten o'clock at some little village and buy ten or fifteen cents worth of meal or bacon or other stuff to eat and sometimes i lifted a chicken that warn't roosting comfortable and took him along pap always said take a chicken when you get a chance because if you don't want him yourself you can easy find somebody that does and a good deed ain't ever forgot i never see pop when he didn't want the chicken himself but that is what he used to say anyway mornings before daylight i slipped into cornfields and borrowed a watermelon or a mushmelon or a pumpkin or some new corn or things of that kind pap always said it warn't no harm to borrow things if you was meanin to pay them back some time but the widow said it warn't anything but a soft name for stealing and no decent body would do it jim said he reckoned the widow was partly right and pap was partly right so the best way would be for us to pick out two or three things from the list and say we wouldn't borrow them any more then he reckoned it wouldn't be no harm to borrow the others so we talked it over all one night drifting along down the river trying to make up our minds whether to drop the watermelons or the cantaloupes or the mushmelons or what but towards daylight we got it all settled satisfactory and concluded to drop crab-apples and persimmons we weren't feelin just right before that but it was all comfortable now i was glad the way it come out too because crab-apples ain't ever good and the persimmons wouldn't be ripe for two or three months yet we shot a water-fowl now and then that got up too early in the morning or didn't go to bed early enough in the evening 
take it all round we lived pretty high the fifth night below st louis we had a big storm after midnight with a power of thunder and lightning and the rain poured down in a solid sheet we stayed in the wigwam and let the raft take care of itself when the lightning glared out we could see a big straight river ahead and high rocky bluffs on both sides by and by says i hello jim looky yonder it was a steamboat that had killed herself on a rock we was drifting straight down for her the lightning showed her very distinct she was leaning over and part of her upper deck above water and you could see every little chimbley guy clean and clear and a chair by the big bell with an old slouch hat hanging on the back of it when the flashes come well it being away in the night and stormy and all so mysterious like i felt just the way any other boy would have felt when i see that wreck laying there so mournful and lonesome in the middle of the river i wanted to get aboard of her and slink around a little and see what there was there so i says let's land on her jim but jim was dead against it at first he says i don't want to go foolin long er no ruck we's doin blame well and we better let blame well alone as de good book says like as not dey's a watchman on that wreck watchman your grandmother i says there ain't nothin to watch but the texas and the pilot house and do you reckon anybody's going to risk his life for a texas and a pilot house such a night as this when it's likely to break up and wash off down the river any minute jim couldn't say nothin to that so he didn't try and besides i says we might borrow something worth havin out of the captain's stateroom cigars i bet you and cost five cents apiece solid cash steamboat captains is always rich and get sixty dollars a month and they don't care a cent what a thing costs you know long as they want it stick a candle in your pocket i can't rest jim till we give her a rummaging do you reckon tom sawyer would ever go buy this thing not for pie he wouldn't he'd call it an adventure that's what he'd call it and he'd land on that wreck if it was his last act and wouldn't he throw style into it wouldn't he spread himself nor nothin why you'd think it was christopher columbus discovering kingdom come i wish tom sawyer was here jim he grumbled a little but give in he said we mustn't talk any more than we could help and then talk mighty low the lightning showed us the wreck again just in time and we fetched the starboard derrick and made fast there the deck was high out here we went sneaking down the slope of it to larboard in the dark towards the texas feeling our way slow with our feet and spreading our hands out to fend off the guys it was so dark we couldn't see no sign of them pretty soon we struck the forward end of the skylight and clumb on to it and the next step fetched us in front of the captain's door which was open and by jiminy away down through the texas hall we sees a light and all in the same second we seemed to hear low voices in yonder jim whispered and said he was feeling powerful sick 
and told me to come along i says all right and was going to start for the raft but just then i heard a voice wail out and say oh please don't boys i swear i won't ever tell another voice said pretty loud it's a lie jim turner you've acted this way before you always want more'n your share of the truck and you've always got it too because you swore it if you didn't you'd tell but this time you've said it just one time too many you're the meanest treacherousest hound in this country by this time jim was gone for the raft i was just a billin with curiosity and i says to myself tom sawyer wouldn't back out now and so i won't either i'm a-goin to see what's going on in here so i dropped on my hands and knees in the little passage and crept aft in the dark till there warn't but one stateroom betwixt me and the cross-hall of the texas then in there i see a man stretched on the floor and tied hand and foot and two men standing over him and one of them had a dim lantern in his hand and the other one had a pistol this one kept pointing the pistol at the man's head on the floor and saying i'd like to and i ought to too the mean skunk the man on the floor would shrivel up and say oh please don't bill i hain't ever goin to tell and every time he said that the man with the lantern would laugh and say deed you ain't you never said no truer thing than that you bet you and once he said hear him beg and yet if we hadn't got the best of him and tied him he'd a killed us both and what for just for nothin just because we stood on our rights that's what's for but i lay you ain't a-goin to threaten nobody any more jim turner put up that pistol bill bill says i don't want to jake packard i'm for killin him and didn't he kill old hatfield just the same way and don't he deserve it but i don't want him killed and i've got my reasons for it bless your heart for them words jake packard i'll never forget you long's i live says the man on the floor sort of blubbering packard didn't take no notice of that but hung up his lantern on a nail and started towards where i was there in the dark and motioned bill to come i crawfished as fast as i could about two yards but the boat slanted so that i couldn't make very good time so to keep from getting run over and catched i crawled into a stateroom on the upper side the man came a pawing along in the dark and when packard got to my stateroom he says here come in here and in he come and bill after him but before they got in i was up in the upper berth cornered and sorry i come then they stood there with their hands on the ledge of the berth and talked i couldn't see them but i could tell where they was by the whisky they'd been having i was glad i didn't drink whisky but it wouldn't made much difference anyway because most of the time they couldn't a treat me because i didn't breathe i was too scared and besides a body couldn't breathe and hear such talk they talked low and earnest bill wanted to kill turner he says 
he's said he'll tell and he will if we was to give both our shares to him now it wouldn't make no difference after the row and the way we've served him sure's you're born he'll turn state's evidence now you hear me i'm for puttin him out of his troubles so am i says packard very quiet blame it i'd sort of begun to think you wasn't well then that's all right let's go and do it hold on a minute i hain't had my say yet you listen to me shootin's good but there's quieter ways if the thing's got to be done but what i say is this it ain't good sense to go a courtin around after a halter if you can get at what you're up to in some way that's just as good and at the same time don't bring you into no risks ain't that so you bet it is but how's you goin to manage it this time well my idea is this we'll rustle around and gather up whatever pickins we've overlooked in the staterooms and shove for shore and hide the truck then we'll wait now i say it ain't a-goin to be more'n two hours before this wreck breaks up and washes off down the river see he'll be drownded and won't have nobody to blame for it but his own self i reckon that's a considerable sight better and killin of him i'm unfavorable to killin a man as long as you can get around it it ain't good sense it ain't good morals ain't i right yes i reckon you are but suppose she don't break up and wash off well we can wait the two hours anyway and see can't we all right then come along so they started and i lit out all in a cold sweat and scrambled forward it was dark as pitch there but i said in a kind of a coarse whisper jim and he answered up right at my elbow with a sort of a moan and i says quick jim it ain't no time for foolin around and moaning there's a gang of murderers in yonder and if we don't hunt up their boat and set her drifting down the river so these folks can't get away from the wreck there's one of em going to be in a bad fix but if we find their boat we can put all of em in a bad fix for the sheriff'll get em quick hurry i'll hunt the labboard side you hunt the starboard you start at the raft and oh my lordy lordy raft dey ain't no raft no more she done broke loose and gone i and here we is End of chapter twelve